It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Question I threw out there, have you locked in who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? If that's number seven or that's another number, let me know who that would be. And also, what positions do they have to come out of the draft with, in your opinion? My thoughts, shut down corner, defensive tackle or edge help, maybe even both, and potential quarterback of the future, not necessarily in that order. You can let us know on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r r As we kick off hour number two of the show, we bring in our good friend Nathan Cooper. And Nathan Cooper is holding it down from Sports Info Solutions, a.k.a. SIS, and he was with us last year. And, Nate, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. It was great catching up with you last year. It's great to do it again this year. And for those that don't know, at Sports Info Solutions, how do you guys come up with your grading system? How do you come up with your ratings for these players as you put together your big board? Yeah, appreciate it, Q. Appreciate you having me again. Uh, yeah, at SIS, what we do, we do a lot of the stuff that the NFL teams are doing. Uh, we actually grade uh, on a more of a role-based system. So what we're grading is we're grading what they're going to be at the next level. Um, you know, we're not looking at, is this guy a first-rounder? Is this guy a second-rounder? We're not looking at that kind of stuff. We're looking at what sort of role is this guy going to play when he gets to the NFL? Um, so whenever you're looking at that, obviously a lot of things, uh, you know, go, go into it and factor in uh, based by position and what position you're looking at. Um, and, and you're looking at guys that, you know, if they have that 7-0 and above grade, you're looking at those guys coming in, being those pro bowl and all pro type of players basically right away. Uh, and then you kind of work your way down there. You're looking at your high-end starters, work into your versatile backups, uh, and then your, your guys that are going to be basically uh, your depth player uh, players on the roster as well. Um, so a lot of it goes into it. We're looking at, you know, six, 700 guys every year uh, and, and trying to take a look at these guys uh, and see who all stacks up. So the highest grade I'm assuming is seven point whatever, as I see Will Anderson is 7.2. So I'm assuming it's right there. What would you say the lowest grade would be and still be chartable here? So in terms of what we put on the draft site, obviously, you know, number one, uh, we're a, a, a stats company. So we're doing a lot of stats. We're charting all of the games throughout the year. That's kind of what we do uh, first and foremost. But when it comes to scouting, we try to do as much as we can. Right now we have about 250 players on the site. Uh, and, you know, like I said, we watch around six, 700. It's basically taking these, uh, these top guys who we think is draftable, who we think could maybe make an impact, you know, by year two. Uh, and kind of looking from there. So we have to make cutoffs at, at each position. Um, most of the guys will get in here basically at a five, seven, and above, and that is basically looking at uh, sort of your low-end depth guys, the guys who are going to be more of the back end of the roster guys, uh, whereas whenever you get below that, you're five, 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 six, and then even five, four, you're looking at the practice squad uh, and possibly uh, your training camp guys. So we try to look at that five, seven, five, eight, and up, uh, basically the back end of the roster and up uh, for the most part. Again, we're talking with Nathan Cooper from SIS at Sports Info Solutions here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So one of my big questions I had as the Raiders are now in position for a quarterback this year for the first time in nine years, uh, Bryce Young is your number one quarterback, C.J. Stroud is number two, Anthony Richardson number three, Hendon Hooker four, Jake Hayner number five, and it goes on and on and on and on. And one name that I don't see after 11 quarterbacks is Kentucky's quarterback, Will Levis. Where, what happened to Will on this list? Did he not just make the cut? So, yeah, we, we actually just rolled the, uh, the site out to the public last Wednesday, uh, and we're, we're actually adding guys every okay. single day. So um, it's, it's coming. Uh, actually, our, our fearless leader, Matt Manicharian, uh, wrote him up this year, had a tough time with him. We actually just talked about it on our, our company podcast last week. 
Uh, he actually has him as a, with the same grade as Anthony Richardson. Okay. Uh, so he'll come in probably around that number three or number four spot. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. And then when you look at Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, uh, these are guys that it sounds like they have super high ceilings. So uh, is that part of the hard evaluation because you just don't know kind of where the floor begins with these guys? Yeah, whenever we're grading, we're grading basically uh, by, we're looking by year two. Okay. Um, you know, this isn't like a, a long-term type of deal. We're not grading these guys, you know, four or five years down the road. So we're looking at, at what these guys are going to be basically by day one of year two. Uh, obviously, a, a lot of growing pains going through, uh, you know, the, the rookie seasons. Um, so we're assuming by that second year, uh, we have a, a firm grasp of, of what kind of role they can play. So whenever you're looking at Levis and, and Richardson, you're looking at two guys, like you said, very high ceiling. But there's just a lot there that needs tweaked. There's a lot of mechanical issues uh, that, that really need tweaked when they're in coached uh, at the next level. So in terms of like their ceiling, obviously they could um, you know, excel to that 7-0 uh, or above level eventually. But by you know, our metrics and by our grading scale, we're looking at that 6-6 being it's probably going to take a couple years uh, before they really get everything down. No, that makes a lot of sense, Nate, because one of the things I've been saying is that I feel like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are guys that can go in and probably start immediately. The other guys, uh, regardless of what their name is, Will Anderson, or not Will Anderson, excuse me, uh, Will Levitz, uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, Hendon Hooker, any of these other guys are going to have to sit a little while and learn the NFL game. So, again, that makes sense on the breakdowns there. Uh, we're talking with Nathan Cooper from SIS at Sports Info Solutions here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, the cornerback position, and uh, that's something that I wanted to address Devin Witherspoon, uh, he's your quarterback number or cornerback number one, ranked six overall. Christian Gonzalez is ranked seven, uh, position ranked number two. Uh, but they both have the same grade. So when you compare and contrast these guys, how much difference do you see uh, in those two guys? Yeah, these two guys are a ton of fun to watch. If you're wanting to watch, uh, you know, some good cornerback play, these are two guys to watch. And um, you know, I wrote up Christian Gonzalez. I, I got a, a pretty good look at, at Witherspoon as well. Uh, and Witherspoon slots in just ahead of Gonzalez. Like you said, we have the same grade on these guys. Uh, and, you know, whenever you're looking at a guy like Witherspoon, this is a guy that obviously a really good cover guy um, crushed our metrics this year. You're looking at a passer rating against of like four um, whenever he was targeted this last season. So incredible numbers, incredible metrics. Um, and what he brings is a lot more physicality. Um, so a guy that can, you know, if you want to press him, you can. If you want to drop him back, if you want to drop him in the zone, very good in the run game. Uh, he's going to come support uh, near the line of scrimmage as well. Whenever you're looking at Christian Gonzalez, this is a guy that, like, premier cover corner. You watch him, he doesn't get, you know, that weight on one, one foot or another, very even keeled, plays balanced, and just incredibly, uh, you know, solid across the board. Um, he will come help you out in the, in the run game a little bit, obviously, but more your uh, your true cover corner type. So kind of depends on what you're looking for, uh, but both play at a really high level uh, and both really solid corners and expected probably to go uh, in the first half of the first round. Yeah, and Nate, right now the Raiders have a pick at number seven overall. And so what I've been saying is if they don't go and make a move for a quarterback that they believe could be their franchise quarterback of the future, regardless who that is, they need to get a defensive stud. And a guy like Witherspoon, a guy like Gonzalez, to me would be a a defensive stud would you look at the positions i hear the word value all the time value q you got to get better value defensive tackle edge rusher cornerback how much value do you see in those picks as it pertains to number seven overall i think there's a lot i, I mean we have those guys rated highly for a reason uh you know i think these these two guys you know if you're looking in the top 10 uh you know the back half of the top 10 i think that's perfect spot for these guys 
Um, I wouldn't be shocked if both these guys maybe go back-to-back at 6-7 and seven, uh, when you're looking at the Lions and, and the Raiders here. So, uh, you know, if that were to be the case, you know, I think that's two really good positions for them uh, and two really good spots. And, and it, it's one thing, obviously, you know, historically looking at corners getting drafted really high doesn't usually pan out. Uh, but whenever you get a little bit further uh, into the top 10 in the middle of the first round, I think you're looking a little bit better. And I think uh, for the Raiders at 7, I think that's a, a solid spot for one of these two guys. What are your thoughts on Tyree Wilson, the young man out of Texas Tech who you have slotted in at position uh, rank number two, uh, 17th overall, but he's behind Will Anderson. That's the only edge rusher that he's behind. Yeah, Wilson's a, an interesting guy, very uh, very athletic, very long, um, very strong guy as well. So uh, he's a guy that probably could slot in, you know, if you wanted to, to play him uh, as maybe your five technique in like a, an odd front or maybe – uh, as, as, a, as your defensive end in a 4-3, you can maybe even stand him up a little bit if you want as well. Um, so a very versatile guy in that aspect. Uh, but whenever you look at, at strength on the edge, um, you know, that's, that's a solid spot right there. You need to improve a little bit uh, you know, on the bend and the speed and, and different things like that, um, get a little bit more explosive off the ball. Uh, but whenever you're looking for length and strength in, in a guy that can really uh, eventually you know, turn into one of those premier pass rushers, uh, that's a solid, uh, solid guy to look at in this draft. Nathan Cooper is our guest here from SIS on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, i got to ask you about Jalen Carter. He could easily be the number one overall pick, uh, obviously without the off-field issues and if Chicago was still picking at number one. With Carolina picking at number one, I believe he'll be a quarterback, so he'll drop a little bit. But uh, how much of the off-the-field issues goes into the calculations that you guys have or the, you know, the, the math problem that you guys put together on this uh, Sports Info Solutions, or does, or does the off-field issues have anything to do with it? Yeah, we try to grade. Uh, you know, our, our big board and our gradings uh, and grading of our rankings is, is more of, of what you see on the field. Um, obviously, if we're an NFL team, we're, we're taking everything on the field. We're taking everything off the field. We're taking the medical, the, the character, everything like that. Um, for us, we try to go with what's on the field. Um, and then, obviously, you know, from there, everyone else can weigh in, uh, you know, what they think on the, the character and the injury and stuff like that. Obviously, Jalen Carter, um, you know, a lot of questions come up with him. Obviously, the off-field stuff, you show up to the pro day overweight, can't make it through your pro day. Um, but whenever you, you turn on the tape and watch him, whenever he wants to turn it on, you can't guard him. So uh, it, it's just obviously when you get to the next level, uh, you, you know, can you coach that out of him? Uh, and, and make him do that on every single play. So if you can, this is going to be a guy that, like I said, you know, we have him as a 7-0 type player. We have him as a guy that he's going to come in, compete for Pro Bowls, uh, and possibly all pro type, uh, type of rewards here in the first couple of years. Uh, so you know, he's a guy that has everything there, plus you know, play strength, to get off everything, it's just can he put it all together and play, uh, you know, on a play-by-play basis. Sticking with the defensive tackle position behind behind Carter, you have Kalijah Cansey from Pitt. A lot of people have been talking about him. He's your number two ranked defensive tackle, and number three ranked is Brian Brissy from Clemson, and they're pretty close. Six point seven grade for Cansey and a six point five for Brissy. So, uh, how much difference is the sixteenth ranked player and the fiftieth ranked player on your guys' big board? Yeah, six seven is actually in the range where this guy's going to be a high end three down starter basically by year two. Um, so that's why he's going to be so much higher. You look at the six five when you're talking about a six five and a six six grade. Uh, you're looking at guys who they're going to come in and by year two these are going to be solid third down players or solid first and second down players. Um, so eventually they can work into that full three down uh, type of, of ability. Uh, but we're thinking you know by the beginning of year two. 
you're either going to be a solid, you know, run down player or you're going to be a solid pass down player. Um, and when we're talking about Cancy, this guy jumps off the ball uh, and, and he can affect the game in the run game and the pass game, uh, gets to the quarterback really easily. Obviously, with Bazi, you know, a lot of effect, things that have affected him the last couple of years, um, you know, obviously the off field stuff, some injuries here and there. So that's why he's down a little bit, but he has a, a super high ceiling as well. Uh, you know, him and, and Lucas Van Ness, another guy that, who's, that is basically right next to him. Um, two guys that I, I don't think have played their best football yet. A lot of, uh, you know, ability and stuff from these two guys uh, and very high ceilings with these, uh, these guys, you know, moving forward. Where do you think the sweet spot would be for these guys to be selected, Canty and Brissy? Like, are you seeing them in the, you know, the teens or the 20s? Where do you think that it's reasonable to expect them to go off the board at the end of April? I think it's reasonable probably the mid-teens to, to early 20s. Uh, I know, obviously, if you look at mock drafts all over the place, you can see Canty up as high as six to the Lions. Um, but I think the sweet spot is more in the middle of the first round. Um, Brazil, you know, if you look at, you know, a couple of years ago, you're talking about a mid first round type of player there as well. Um, so I could see anywhere from the middle of the first round to the middle of the second round for, for both of these guys. Finally, want to close out with a guy that I believe could, just like I said about Carter, could be the number one guy in the draft period, and that's a uh, running back Bijan Robinson uh, out of Texas. I mean, the dude's phenomenal, right? I mean, he could do just about anything uh, when you give him the ball and put it in his hands, whether it's catching the ball in the backfield, uh, running with the rock, blocking. I mean, he could do uh, a lot of great things, but he's a running back, and we all know the value of a running back. You guys have a seventh grade on him. Uh, he's the number one uh, running back in this upcoming draft, according to you guys. What do you think about him? How early is a team going to decide that they want to pull the trigger on a running back? Yeah, it, you know, you said it there. Whenever you're looking at the running back position, it's hard to, to factor in, you know, running backs early, um, especially with the last few years and how everything's gone with running backs. You can get these guys in the middle of the draft or the late, uh, later rounds of the draft. And these guys are going to produce just about the same, but you're looking at the John Robinson. This guy is, he's incredible. Um, like you said, you know, he can do a little bit of everything, very great runner, uh, and then you're looking in the pass game as well. Uh, has a little bit of improvement there in the pass game, but solid all around. And like you said, this is a 7-0 type guy. We only have three 7-0 and above, above uh, type of guys this year. And, you know, that's saying something for a running back up there. I think in the last five years we've only had a, a couple of those guys. So definitely a game-changing player. Uh, you know, I could definitely see maybe, uh, you know, late in the, uh, in the top ten somebody trying to snag him, but – to me, probably more in the middle of the first round um, is probably more the sweet spot of where he's going to probably go. Could you imagine if the Eagles pulled the trigger on him at 10? <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. It would be dynamic for sure. But I, if you look at Harry Rosen, I don't think that that's the way he drafts. Right. If he's there at 30, I think that they pull the trigger 100%. But uh, I feel like they're going to try to stick to the trenches a little bit. But wouldn't be shocked. Definitely wouldn't be shocked. He's that type of player. Yeah, no, he's really good. I got an opportunity to see him up close to personal at UT, and I think he's going to do some really good things in the NFL. Well, uh, Nate, as I wrap this up, the Raiders have 12 draft picks, and they have a lot of holes, especially on the defensive side of things. If the if the GM Dave Ziegler does a really good job and comes out of this draft with you know three or four uh, studs or guys that turn into starters, I mean, how quickly do you think that they could turn their roster around to being a very competitive roster with the of the twelve draft picks they have coming up in this draft? I think really quick. I mean, you're looking at you know pretty obviously there's a lot of turnover from last year, uh, you know, coming into this year. Um, but with twelve draft draft picks, you you basically take uh, a good majority of, of those first two days of the draft. Uh, and then hit on a couple guys late, uh, I think you're looking pretty good uh, in, in having a position to where 
this team can really start competing within the next couple of years. And I've always thought that they've had a, you know, a solid roster over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, you know, argue a couple of things here and there, obviously right. with the, the, the Derek Carr, uh, you know, back and forth uh, and, you know, a lot of injuries as well. So um, I think, you know, there, there's a really good shot that this year uh, that they can come out of it and really start to, to change over the roster. And, you know, this draft is not super top heavy. So I think a lot of the, the depth of this draft is going to be more in that day two level. So, uh, you know, with three picks there and, you know, some in the, in the fifth round as well, uh, you're looking at a spot where you can really get some solid uh, talent. Yeah, five picks in the top 109 for the silver and black, and then they go from there. So it should be interesting. They could get things turned around. There's a lot of teams that have done it in the draft, so the Raiders will have their opportunity. Well, Nate, great stuff as always, man. It's great to catch up with you, and uh, you guys are doing some fine work over there at Sports Info Solutions on sportsinfosolutions.com. Any, uh, anything you guys got working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, like I said, you know, just uh, tons of – tons of, of scouting reports going up each day uh really between now and the, the beginning of the draft um you know we'll try to, to knock everyone out by the beginning of draft week so uh look for another you know 50 75 or so uh players going up there uh over over the next couple of weeks over at nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com uh and we're actually you know about ready to start uh, our hiring process uh, for next season. So uh, a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline at, at SIS here. Well, my guy Jared who's in studio with me. He just all of a sudden piqued his interest and got all fired up because he <laughs> wants to be a draft scout. So if you get if you get a, a resume from Jared Justice, and that's Jared with an E, do not – do not acknowledge it. Just throw it away because I can't afford to lose him, so he can't work for you guys. Anyone else can work for you, but not Jared, so just keep that in the back of your notes, all right? Sounds good. I'll make sure to write that down and mark him off when I see it. There you go. Perfect. Thanks, Nate. Great stuff. It's great catching up with you, brother. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. There he goes. Nate the Cooper, SIS, on Twitter, at NCoopDraft. And, yeah, I just totally just salted your uh, – your opportunity. And and I'm telling you, Lindsay, I know you weren't paying attention and looking, but as soon as he said, and we're about to hire, uh, Jared, all of a sudden his eyes got big. Like he's wearing glasses today, which is rare. I didn't and see he, that on LinkedIn. He almost broke his glasses. His eyes got so big. Oh, this is the, It's Atlanta. been a while since I've done any sort of like scouting or like film prep. And so I was like, Ooh, that could be something I could see, do in my spare time. I like to pride myself and I've always been an expert scout. I've yeah. always been, I've done a lot of expert scouting in my lifetime. Now, I might not have been scouting football players, but I was scouting. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and it wasn't Boy Scouts. I know a specimen <laughs> when I see one. I know. That's, that's a first-rounder right there. <laughs> Turning off my own mic. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Nathan Cooper, SIS. Good stuff from him. That's a really good breakdown. And I like to take different angles at looking at the draft because we can always just look at it. Oh, well, this person's mocked at 7. Eight. I like different grading you know, different grading opportunities. And it seemed like, Lindsay, that they, they have a little grading, uh, you know, their, their process is very similar to what, like a he little. said, NFL teams are doing. I, I'm looking at this website, and when I look to scout in my areas, because it's not always as easy as the eye test, like there's so much stuff that's behind paywalls and stuff. This is free. They right. have they have where you can break it down by, oh, here's a tight end, here's a, here's a guard, here's a center position. They have, you know, subcategories to each category, so you can really start – uh, picking and choosing. Well, it, what about this guy and getting hand of the ball? How many yards does he give up per play? Like, mm-hmm. and you can just really look at it and and figure out what you truly think this team, the Raiders, needs. And I, I think if you're trying to call today, right. and you want to be an informed listener at that. Take a little gander, maybe take a couple of notes, call you up, 
have a nice little conversation. We build off what we just built with Nate. Boom, there it is. Great, great breakdown right there. And they have, I mean, they have the NFL team, so you can look at all the teams, yep. what they need, what they don't need, uh, you know, all the numbers on everything they did a year ago. I mean, it's really fascinating. I spent a good I mean, I get down going down rabbit holes, and sometimes I can't get out of them. And I literally went down this rabbit hole for about 45 minutes to an hour. And luckily, Natalie called me and was like, hey, Q, come to the office real quick. And I was like, well, better get away from that website. <laughs> Make sure this is Lotus approved. <laughs> Make sure I wasn't this doing anything. This is not the ranking website I thought, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, exactly. 319 is the time. Many thanks to Nathan Cooper. I want to hear from you, though. 702-365-9200. Have you locked in on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? Let us know about it. You can also hit us up at 6 keyword R&R. Coming up at 345, Coach Scott Spinelli will join the show to talk all things championship game. This is Randish Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Many thanks to Nathan Cooper from SIS. Joined us in the last segment. Really good draft breakdown. Still been looking at the website throughout the course of uh, the commercial break, sportsinfosolutions.com. It's nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. But really good stuff. Just looking at the draft big board. We'll just kind of have you fascinated. And it's just a lot of really good stuff. So I encourage you if you get a chance. I know that uh, we all love the soak up draft conversation. I know I do. Uh, so this is one of my go-to web spots. But I uh, want to go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Go out to a very patient Raider Mark in Henderson. Welcome back to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's up, Q, man? Nice nice talking to you again, man. You're doing a great show. Appreciate like you. Like always, but brother. Hey, get ready for that uh, big game tonight, man. Uh, yes, sir. Go San Diego State, man. That's my hometown. So, I hope they pull it out, man. It's going to be tough for them, but, I, I, you know, I think they, they have a chance. Hey, uh, real quick, man, my pick is uh, AR-15, man. Okay. You know, we got to need a d- dynamic player. You know, we're going against uh, Herbert. We got to go against Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Man, we got we got to start with a, uh, a quarterback that's going to be a franchise guy and develop him the next two years. I know you don't like Jimmy G, but, you know, that's the guy we got now. But, you know, we just got to get another guy that's going to make a difference on the offensive side. You know, our, our defense is – I don't I don't have faith in it, man, because yeah, I, Graham is doing the best thing he can on that side. Uh, you know, we just need somebody like maybe Lovey Smith or somebody that can come in there and, and change the defense. But other than that, man, I just want to say a great show, brother. And uh, I got one guy that uh, you I know you love, uh, Kevin Harlan, man. I hope he took over for take over for Nance, man, for the final four. Yeah. That, that guy is unbelievable. Yep. He's my favorite play-by-play. I know you love him to death. You yep. had a great uh, interview with him, man, and uh, – I, I think he was the best uh, Final Four player. Uh, Jim Nance was fantastic, but uh, I, I think Kevin, man, he would bring the house down. He was fantastic through the whole tournament, man. So I know you love him, man. But, uh, hey, man, I'll see you during the season, though, man, like always. So. Y- yes, hey, sir. Thanks hey, for having me, man. Hey, thanks for the call, Raider Mark and Henderson. Great stuff. And I'll tell you what, man, and I hate to be this guy. I really do hate to be this guy. But, man, Anthony Richardson does exactly what Raider Mark just said. I mean, he gets you pretty fired up. Just seeing his pro day, and I don't want to just, you know, fall victim to pro day or combine or, you know, workout warriors in shorts and and, and T-shirts and all that stuff. I get that stuff. But, man, I'll tell you, as much as we talk about the defense, I think the defense would get excited by seeing – Anthony Richardson out there as the quarterback, right? I mean, there's so many things that are intriguing about him, and I've thought long and hard. I didn't do any radio this weekend, first of all, which is unusual for me. But all weekend long, in my mind, I kept thinking, boy, what would Anthony Richardson look like behind Jimmy G? And look, I get it. Jimmy G's the quarterback. You know he's there not for long. I mean, he'll be there, you know, whatever, a couple years. I mean, I think at this stage of the game, everyone knows what Jimmy G's career is, and that's fine. He's carved out a nice little role for himself, a nice little niche, and he'll be able to go in there and be quarterback day one. But I'll tell you, man, as much as I've been C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, quarterback one and two, and that's it, 
Anthony Richardson is really creeping into my mind like that could be a dude. If, if he can figure it out, and that's a big if, what I am very encouraged by is all the reports and even the guests that we had, Graham Hall, last week saying that he's coachable, he's very intelligent, he's one of those guys that knows he's not a finished product but he wants to continue to get better. That's all I could ever ask for. You ain't got to be a finished product with me. As long as you've got the stones and the want to to get better, I'm good with you. Right? It's just like radio. I say it all the time. You ain't got to be great today. Just have the will to want to be great tomorrow or the next day. But you're, you're going to work your tail off to get there. That's what Anthony Richardson sounds like. I'm, I'm very intrigued by him. So at some point, probably before April 27th, you're going to hear your boy come in and be like, all right, I'm on the Anthony Richardson train. Like, I, I, I can see it coming. I promise you this. When I'm in Kansas City and I'll probably get there on the 25th, uh, we always have availability with the players that are going to be in the green room, and he'll be one of them in the green room. I guarantee I have a conversation with him. I'll do a one-on-one with him just like I did a one-on-one with Josh Jacobs, just like I do one-on-ones with all the players that are available. Even if they're guys that I don't think the Raiders are going to grab, I'm going to talk to them all because it's easier to talk to them before they're pros <laughs> than it is after. I'm just saying. It's a lot easier to get a hold of them. So Anthony Richardson will be one of those guys I definitely talk to. Uh, how about Raider Mac? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? I've just been listening to <laughs> I haven't called in because i just been listening to all this stuff, man. Hey, Q, I'm, <clears throat> I'm glad you're excited. And the guy that I would take <laughs> is Christian Gonzalez, that cornerback. Okay. Um, he, he's 6'1", and he fits the mode, and he can play, man. The kid is you, – you, tape don't lie. Mm-hmm. And we got to stop this. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying and, – and I'm with um, I'm with a lot of guys. Just because you're in shorts and – in shorts and you throwing passes or you you running and stuff at these combines, people fall in love. I know, look, I know, man. I'll be, I'll, I know it's not my fault, test, man. man. It's what did what Bell Bill DeVoe say? Bell Bill DeVoe say, "Don't ever trust a big button to smile." You know, I get it. Exactly. I get it. Don't I get it, man. I get it. I know. Fifty-eight <laughs> percent. That girl is poison. You, you, you. Let me tell y'all something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you my dude, man. San Diego State. We, they, I, I'm pulling for San Diego State tonight. So I, I don't want to see no East Coast team winning. Sorry, Connecticut. But anyway, Q, Q <laughs> my big thing is Anthony Richards is a great player. I, I'm not taking that away from But, Q, you can't name me one guy that came in the NFL that, that in college um, p- complete percentage and his accuracy is, that was lower than 60% that Baker Mayfield. All these guys, they don't add up. You got to be accurate. You might not be the greatest quarterback, but you got to have accuracy because the window in the NFL is very small true. throwing That's true. in there. You got great corners. You you ain't got no 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 corners from um, Connecticut or any of those <laughs> little schools when you play in Alabama and there. But, Q, my thing is we did, we don't need projects. Okay. Did you hear what Mark Davis said the other day? And I'll let you go. Yep. Mark Davis said we need patience. Q, we've been patient for 20 years. Man, it's time to – I'm tired of being patient for – and I understand it's a new regime, but they're saying this over and over and over. So my thing is right now, Q, Anthony Richardson, if we take him, I'm going to be with it. Anybody that comes to the Raiders, that's who I'm with. I'm not with no number. That's why if I get a jersey, I, I put my name on the back because <laughs> guys leave all the time. Right. I don't get no pop unless it's an old school. But Anthony Richardson, nothing against him. Me and my – my boys, they all mad at me because I, I'm hating on – I'm not hating on the kid. I'm just saying he's not the guy we need right now. And in the future, he's not he, – he, to me, he's another Baker Mayfield. 
He, he's just a better, stronger runner than Baker Mayfield. And that's it. I'll leave it at that. I think he's good. But Q, you get that cornerback, you watch and see. You, we need a, a, a solid quarterback, and we need some more defensive um, players. Man, forget this quarterback right now because you can't get a top one. But if you can get um, the kid from, from Hooker and um, and sitting down from Tennessee, I'm telling you, that's the guy you need to get instead of him. All right? All right. Hey, Raider Mac, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. Man, I'm sorry. It just happens sometimes, right? I mean, you, you know, you – Sometimes you, you got the, the one in front of you that makes sense, and then you got the one that makes sense, and she looks great too. And you're like, well, I'm going to go in this direction. And like my late great-grandmother used to always say, son, just because it looks good and feels good don't mean it is good. Well, I'm sorry. Anthony Richardson is one of those that, man, <laughs> really does look like he could play the part, man. Just I don't know. And, you know, talking about percentage when it comes to passing, uh, Jalen Hurts at Alabama was 62.9 percentage. That was his, his completion percentage at, at Alabama, 69.7 at Oklahoma, obviously in a different system playing in the Big 12. He's worked out okay, but he's worked out okay because he has the work ethic and he had the want to to get better and do everything he could to get better. I'm not saying that's going to be who, who uh, uh, Anthony Richardson is, but that was the number one reason why I was a big fan of Jalen Hurts is because he had that work ethic and I knew he had the want to and the maturity to get better, and he did. I used to watch Josh Allen play UNLV and struggle and have to go to overtime like at once a year, and then now he's in the league and he throws nothing but dimes. <laughs> so there, there it's, is an it's upward. So hard. Yeah, it's just so hard, man. And Raider Mac is right, right. If you're going to draft a quarterback high, you do want to get the guy that you feel a lot more confident in. But man, the 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 upside on Anthony Richardson is so high, and I, I would say that probably for Will Levis too. I think his upside is high too. It's just. I don't know. Lindsay, I know you've been studying. You've been looking at the oh, big I'm board. I'm looking at this website. I'm, <laughs> I'm immersed in the information, you guys. I'm going to be an expert by 5 o'clock for sure. But <laughs> I, I'm just looking at this description of, of Anthony Richardson because there, there has been so much chatter about him. And one of these lines, it says, Richardson's exceptional level of talent athleticism allows him to create hero plays. And that's where the key word is, is hero plays. Because all we heard about is pro day. Do you see the kid hit the ceiling? Right. Dude, the ball is so damn high. We love <laughs> myth building in our narratives here in sport and and especially when you see somebody that as you said Q looks the part mm-hmm. throws the part it's hard not to be enamored by that right. um but I'm trying a, to get myself out of that world right, I'm trying to get out it, it, it's a great Camaro but sometimes you just need a Dodge minivan right sometimes you got to make sure you throw the kids in the back that they're going to get there safe you got a DVD player so they don't scream their heads off the <laughs> entire time like, you, you got to go with what you need, not always with what you want. And the way that you've talked and that uh, almost everybody here in Raider Nation Radio, it's defense first. So yeah. if there's some weird, out-of-left-field scenario where all of a sudden we could pick one of these top guys and you're like, okay, do we not stick to the script anymore? Do we look ahead? But I, there's just too much on that defensive side of the ball that needs to be taken care of for me to take a flyer on a project as pretty as Anthony Richardson. Good stuff, good stuff. Lindsey Brown, right there, coming out, uh, giving the giving the Thank details, you. giving the details to back up Raider Mac. How about eight hundred five Raider here? Eight hundred five Raider said Tyree Wilson is my pick there at number seven. Knocks out two positions a need. People don't realize how massive he is. Could totally play inside with Chandler and Max outside along with Tillery. That would be scary. That's from eight hundred five Raider, and he's a guy. Tyree Wilson that's definitely climbing up many, many boards. And uh, he's a guy that it's very rare that you see defensive players from Texas Tech. 
that are getting a ton of love. In the Big 12, it's very rare that you see somebody on the defensive side of things getting a lot of love, but Tyree Wilson is up there. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, Jordan Reed and Matt Miller had their pre-draft conference call, and this is what Jordan Reed had to say about Tyree Wilson. Yeah, so um, Tyree's a guy that I actually got a chance to see him play live against NC State this year, which is one of his better games. And I mean, the dude looks like he has a costume on when you see him in person. He's every bit of six foot six, 275 pounds. But the thing about him is that he's just a big guy on the playground right now that's bigger than everybody. Doesn't have a lot of counter moves, wins a lot off of his natural ability, but you're banking on his upside with him. So if you have proper coaching and you have some patience with him, I think you're getting a big time player. But He's not one that's going to come in and maybe make an instant type of impact off of his, you know, off of polish. He's more so winning off of his natural ability. But we know college offensive linemen are nowhere near as good as NFL offensive linemen. So he's going to have to improve some things in his toolbox and get some more moves in his repertoire in order to get better to reach his full potential. But we saw last year with Trayvon Walker, who went number one overall. He's nowhere near as explosive as Trayvon Walker. But we know these NFL coaches, they're going to gravitate towards traits. And that's what Tyree Wilson does have. There you go. Jordan Reed talking about Tyree Wilson breaking down the young man from Texas Tech. And we'll actually have Joey McGuire, uh, his head coach at Texas Tech, on the show later on this week to break down a little bit more about Tyree Wilson. And Joey McGuire, you want to talk about a ball of energy. If you could ball up Joey McGuire's energy and put it in a can and sell it, it would be a lot more than a Red Bull or a Rockstar. I promise you that. That dude, he brings it. You'll want to run through any wall. <laughs> for Joey McGuire, I promise you. So he'll be on the show some point this week to talk about Tyree Wilson. But, you know, with that description and breakdown right there from Jordan Reed, maybe he is a guy that the Raiders pick at number seven and just slide him in in a rotational situation as he continues to develop. Look, most of these guys aren't going to be polished players right away, especially on the defensive side of things. There's going to be growing pains. If you go with Gonzalez, if you go with Weatherspoon, guess what? There's going to be times they get burnt. And they look silly because that just happens in the NFL. Everyone is not going to come in and be like Deion Sanders or even Sauce Gardner. Sauce was fantastic, but he even got burned a couple times with the Jets this last year. But you're looking for the guy that will, well, clear his mind, don't worry about that, and come back and fight and be at a high level. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that alpha dog at number seven. Maybe Tyree Wilson could be that guy. And sometimes book in with Max Crosby. Sometimes uh, pop inside with Tillery, as 805 Raider mentioned. Sometimes uh, be out there with Chandler Jones. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. Bottom line for the Raiders, they need to find a way to get the best defensive players on the field at the same time. That's what they really need. They need the best defensive players because, well, that's where the big struggle is. And so as, as much as I'm enamored by Anthony Richardson and I'm looking at him from a distance like, boy, it sure would be nice to, to see a dude like that and end up becoming the, the franchise quarterback. Lindsay, going back to your point, mm -hmm. defense is almost what they have to do. I would also like to see tackles in the secondary. I would also like to see linebackers getting guys all the way to the ground without you know five or six yards after the catch. I feel like that kills us a lot more than a, a help of an arm like Richardson's would help. I genuinely was – I 100% agree, and I think the biggest factor, and Wilson would actually probably be great in this regard – your front seven help out your back five, and right. your back five can yep. help out your front seven. When we saw that like pant that fifteen to one Panthers team, the reason that that secondary was so unstoppable mm -hmm. is they were getting pressure, right. and then they would rotate in three new guys mm -hmm. who would then go get pressure, and then they'd rotate in the the original three, and so they were constantly getting fresh bodies in there, and that allowed a guy like Josh Norman to suddenly become a had the best year of his career. Yeah, because it's like, uh, I'm just, I just have to hang right. out with this one dude. Because yeah, play cover three mm -hmm. and sit yep. there and have his eyes in the backfield. You know the funny thing, quick story, and then we'll take a break, about that year, I don't know if you guys remember, 
Remember what happened in training camp that year? Uh, was that the holdout year? No. Oh, that Remember was the- Cam Newton and Josh Norman got into a huge fight? Oh, oh yeah. Where Cam, where Cam was actually fighting him and, and smiling. Like, Cam, everything he does, he smiles. Yeah, like, that's, Cam that's could be in his face. He could be in court and be smiling. Like, you know, I was like, dude, what are you smiling at? But, I mean, he just always smiles. He was literally in the fight with no helmet on, smiling at Josh Norman. And they were literally going at it, throwing bows and everything. And that was the best year of both their careers. Turned into the best year of both their careers. He ended up being the MVP. Yeah, 15, right? Yeah. yeah. And then and then Josh Norman had the best year of his career. Turned that into a big fat paycheck with uh, Washington. And uh, Cam obviously was never the same player after the Super Bowl loss, but he was the MVP. Norman played the best of the, the ever. And they were, what, 15-1? Yeah. Something about that, 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 that training camp fight. I'm telling you, I asked Josh Norman that at the Super Bowl. I said, hey, man, was there something that had to do with that fight why you guys kind of brought the rest out of you? And he's like, I don't know. But we always competed in practice every day. He went against me. I went against him. I was trying to get him every time. I was trying to pick him off, and I got him sometimes. And other times he burned me. And it just the competitor in me came out. The competitor in him came out. So yeah, maybe there. He said maybe maybe you're onto something. Maybe something did have to do with that fight. But uh, that was that was a hell of a year for the Carolina Panthers. Coming up next, we want to hear from you. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. That's the Don't Be Broke text line. Have you locked in on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? Let us know about it. But coming up next, Coach Scott Spinelli. He has joined us every single Monday since the brackets came out. He'll join us for one more uh, Monday to talk about the national championship game. He'll do it next on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. The question we threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r Have you locked in on who you want the Raiders to draft with their first overall selection? They're spotted right now at number seven. Doesn't mean they'll be there April 27th. And then also what positions do you think that they have to come out of the draft with? Mine was shutdown corner, uh, defensive line help, either edge or defensive tackle or both, and then potential quarterback of the future. But we do want to hear from you again, 69187, keyword r Join us now on the phone lines, as he's done every single Monday, to talk a little uh, college hoops. Is Coach Scott Spinelli from the Believe Podcast Network, former college and college coach. And, Coach, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And we went from the brackets to the national championship game. And here we are, San Diego State, going up against UConn. And you said it from the jump that you like the Mountain West. San Diego State is representing the Mountain West. How big is that for the Mountain West that they're representing tonight in the national championship game? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I love being on the show with you guys. Um, but, uh, again, I think this is an absolute huge moment for the Mountain West Conference. I mean, look, to have a team like San Diego State, um, the way they performed in this tournament, um, and they've done it kind of the old-fashioned way, right, with guys who have kind of bought into a identity on both ends. There's great balance. Um, you know, you really don't recognize that, you know, that one guy out there that has to play well, at least offensively, for them to win. Um, and so, again, I think what they've done uh, is show the world that you can still build a program uh, with culture, with identity, uh, and still be one of the best out there without just having that one or two guys who are supposedly your superstars. So as far as what San Diego State has done, I mean, they've ratcheted it up on defense. They've really worked the glass, uh, you know, getting offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. And to me, Coach, that's really how they've, they've paved their way to get to where they are in the national championship game. Is there something I'm missing by what they've done to get there? Well, first of all, I think right now, the way everybody's just so in awe with UConn, Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how they played, and rightfully so, right, guys? I mean, they've destroyed everybody in their path, um, and they've done it, you know, pretty uh, convincingly, right? Um, however, however, as you guys know, the NCAA tournament is all about matchups, and I didn't think, you know, uh, San Diego State was really 
on top of their game all the way through the other night, and they still found a way to win. But this is a San Diego State team, guys, that beat the overall one-seed Alabama in this tournament, and they were down in that game. And so um, in this game, the way San Diego State plays, and to your point, that identity defensively and how they guard the basketball and they pressure the ball and they're connected and they finish possessions by rebounding the ball, there really isn't uh, a lot of open looks out there. They could test every shot, top foot, high hand. Look, this is a UConn team that the game I don't think will be going up and down the way you know they want to play in terms of increasing possessions. I think San Diego State locks them in the half court. I think if San Diego State can manufacture enough points or create a few turnovers, live ball, um, and they can make some shots, maybe there's that unsung hero that we saw like uh, the LSU women's game last night off the bench, somebody that just steps up and has a career night. I think if that happens, I think San Diego State could pull off the subset. Coach Scott Spinelli is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned the LSU win over uh, over Iowa yesterday on Sunday. I thought that was a very exciting game, fun game to watch. What did you think about the overall matchup and the outcome, two teams that had never been in the national championship game before? Well, I think it's great for the game, and especially the women's game. Uh, look, I mean, 102 points, guys. <laughs> I mean, it was an incredible uh, display of, of of talent, skill, determination. Oh. I mean, uh, those young ladies were balling. I mean, it was a great, great atmosphere. Um, obviously, you know, you have the you know the competitive juices too, with the players kind of going at it a little bit, which I think is being way overhyped. Yes, part of the, part of the game, and you know, for what it's worth, I mean, I think it really kind of put that put the game or the women's game. Um, you know, on the national stage, and, it, and and people are starting to recognize, which they should have already, that you know there's this good basketball out there, men and women. And I think last night, you know, unbelievable display, fun game to watch. Nine point nine million viewers, record breaking for the national championship thriller between LSU and Iowa. I mean, nine point nine, coach, and it really topped out at twelve point six. I mean, how how incredible is that for the women's game in general? It really is. And you know what? I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, uh, you know, I've got a daughter. I mean, you know, these, these young ladies work their whole life, um, you know, to, to get to this point. Um, they sacrifice, you know, they, they're doing, you know, everything that needs to be done in terms of the weight room. And uh, parents are sacrificing driving them. They're playing AU tournaments. Uh, the coaches obviously are out there recruiting and they go through the ups and downs like anybody else. And I think it really kind of puts them in a position, or at least the game, in a place where, um, yeah, look, it, it, they, we deserve to give the women's game that much more um, you know, national exposure. Um, it's great for everybody to kind of rally behind, just like on the men's side. Um, but it was really a fun game to watch. I think it was one of those games that really kind of, you know, uh, I don't think people are going to forget um, you know, anytime soon. No, no, I know I won't. I, I was very entertained watching that on Sunday afternoon. Again, Coach Scott Spinelli is our guest on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Getting back to tonight's national championship game, we talked about San Diego State, but let's talk about UConn, and that's that program that, and correct me if I'm wrong, when they get to where they're at right now, it feels like they just have it in their DNA to finish off the job. It, it almost feels like they're unstoppable, even though you mentioned someone might step up for San Diego State and be that X factor, but what is it about UConn and their DNA where they just know how to get it done? Well, look, they caught fire at the right time. I mean, this is a team that's got eight losses, right, guys? I mean, they have gone through some adversity. And, again, we've talked about the you know, the old adage of great players are made in the offseason, great teams are made in season. And that 
couldn't be more true with UConn. You know, going through the ups and downs of a season and, you know, losing some games where they obviously learned instead of just, you know, I, I think that quote about, you know, maybe, hey, look, sometimes you never lose, you just learn, right? And I think mm-hmm. they learned quite a bit through their uh, through that adversity. And so, you know, look, they've got a lot of talent. They've got star power. Um, they're playing very free, very loose. There's energy, um, you know, on all fronts. And they can go so many different ways. But again, I think it's been so easy for them uh, in this tournament. And I think the matchups, look, I loved Miami. I loved Houston. I thought Houston, you know, were the team just because of the way they defended um, would give a team like UConn problems. A rugged, hard-nosed defensive team. Miami is, is more of an offensive juggernaut with those guards. But San Diego State is that rugged, tough, hard-nosed defensive team. And I do think this is a tougher matchup even though UConn is playing exceptionally well and they have all the pieces and everybody's probably thinking, hey, this game won't even be a contest, but uh, I'm not so sure about that. I, I think San Diego State's going to give them everything they can handle. You know, you mentioned a couple times that they've just breezed through it. You know, they haven't really been tested, and I guess anytime you blow out Gonzaga by 30-something points or you're, you're leading at some point by 30-something points, everything does look easy. How much of that may come back uh, to, to kind of show this game because San Diego State, like you mentioned, keeps it really close, and, well, they haven't had adversity really in, in their run so far. Well, I don't think a lot, like you said, I don't think a lot of people have seen San Diego State, at least on the East Coast, just because of the time difference. But they remind me a lot of Virginia on this time zone, mm. meaning that this. Virginia plays a pace that's very, uh, how do I say it, slow, meaning this. You know, they're going to get you in the half court. Their strength is half court defense, and they want to get you in there. So what will end up happening in this game San Diego State is probably going to get back, send multiple guys back on every shot. So when they shoot the ball, they're going to get multiple guys back on defense so they can set their defense where UConn just can't get out and run wild on them. Then UConn in the half court, you know, they're going to to execute. They're very well drilled. They're very well coached. They've got a lot of firepower. It's just that San Diego State will contest every one of those shots, top foot, high hand. And I think it's nothing's going to come easy as long as San Diego State is rebounding, and you know they're you know making manufacturing points. Um, look, I'm telling you, the way this game shapes up, uh, limiting possessions, like you just said, well Virginia does the same thing. Um, you know, it's a half court game. They really can't get out and run away on the San Diego State team. But San Diego State team has found ways to win. I mean, they were yeah. down against. Alabama. They were down. They looked dead against uh, Florida Atlantic, and they just have found ways to win. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure, guys, that you know. Again, in this game, if they can continue to do what they've been doing all year, meaning defending and rebounding and being as solid as can be. That if they keep this game close, uh, I think they have a chance here. I do too. I'm excited to see it. I can't wait till it tips off. Final question for you, coach, is about just the parity. And, you know, there's no blue bloods, right? I mean, there's there's FAU, uh, Miami, UConn, uh, you know, going up against San Diego State. I mean, all these are in the final four. Are we going to start to see that more often because of NIL and, of course, the transfer portal? I do. I think, I think, look, guys, as you guys know, there's a lot of cultured programs, programs that do it the old-fashioned way, still recruit their guys. They, you know, develop them within. There's balance in recruiting classes. Uh, you know, Florida Atlantic, Gonzaga, the UCLA's, Houston, the San Diego State, et cetera, sprinkle in some transfers. But, but you can now think about what Kansas State did. You know, they got the job in May. They put a team, a team, not a program, a team together in one year out of that portal 
and they had those guys, you know, had established roles. They had an identity. There was camaraderie there late in the season. So I guess right now, anybody, any team, if they, you know, can get in that portal, if that's what they so desire to build that, you know, that team for one year uh, to try to get some culture maybe in the future, uh, anything's possible now with any team. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, looking forward to, obviously, the game tonight. Definitely looking forward to college basketball in the future. Well, Coach, thanks so much for you joining us every week. We appreciate you. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Have a great night. All right, you too. Coach Scott Spinelli with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920.